0: This is the 12 Songs of Christmas, today with Debbie Davis. My name is Alex Rawls, and this is my podcast on Christmas music. New Orleans singer Debbie Davis is one of my favorite people to talk with about Christmas music. I've already interviewed her a number of times about it, and will include a link to at least one of those stories in the show notes. Her relationship to Christmas music evolved much the same way that mine did, as she started recording it with her husband Matt Perrine to cut a gift for family members when they were tight on money for presents. Those gift recordings turned into a seasonal side hustle that eventually produced their 2014 album, Oh Crap, It's Christmas. That title promises an irreverent, offhanded treatment of Christmas music, and it's the opposite of what they deliver. The songs are smartly chosen, and they're performed with real artistic and emotional conviction. As you can hear during this conversation, singing these songs means a lot to Davis. She knows a lot of what she's singing about. So much so but I went with the flow of the conversation and never returned to one that we started before the mics were on about Have Yourself a Merry Little Christmas. There are two versions of that song on Oh Crap It's Christmas, one with the very bleak original lyrics and one with the merely bleak lyrics that are sung today. We started talking about that and planned to return to it once the mics were on, but the conversation moved a different direction and I didn't miss going that way until we were done and I was packing up my gear. So it goes. One note. In here, we talk about Baby, It's Cold Outside, and in the conversation, I say something to the effect of, this is not my issue. I realized after the fact that I was probably too casual in the way I phrased that thought. What I was thinking was that I'm not triggered by the song. Questions of consent are absolutely my issue, and all guys' issues. I might be over-explaining here, but I'd rather do that than leave the impression that I think the onus in a scenario like the one in the song falls solely to the woman, or that women have to do all the heavy lifting when it comes to raising consciousness about situations like the one the song acts out. If you're in New Orleans, you can see Debbie Davis perform, Oh Crap, It's Christmas, on Sunday, December 15th at 7 p.m. at Cafe Istanbul. Here's my conversation with Debbie Davis. Debbie, thanks for coming over.
1: Thanks for having me, Alex.
0: So, wh- how many years you are about to do, you and Matt Perrine are about to do your annual uh, Christmas uh, Christmas show Our here in New Orleans? Christmas
1: extravaganza. And actually, this year, it is without Matt. It was bound to happen. Ah. The room availability and days on the calendar versus tour schedules, it it was bound to happen this way. But the uh, Matt's out-of-town dates have... Uh, precluded him from being on the show this year. So he's writing some of the uh, music for us. And uh, Josh Paxton is going to be nodding and flailing his arms madly and reading my mind. And, uh, you know, all that musical director stuff that nobody gets thanked for. And um, got a great band, as usual, and great guests, as usual, and um, hopefully an enthusiastic and attentive audience, as usual. And Usually some sort of weather event happens that night, but uh, we uh, persevere uh, anyway.
0: So this is, what year will this be for Oh Crap, It's Christmas?
1: This will be our fifth almost annual Oh Crap, It's Christmas. Cool.
0: Today, what I'm curious about here, earlier this season uh, on the podcast, I talked to a group from Nashville, uh, The Ornaments, okay. who have been doing, for the last 14 years, uh, they spend part of the Christmas season playing the Charlie Brown Christmas album. Uh, from end to end. Ooh, exciting! And one of the things that we talked about was the idea of how a show becomes a tradition, and and I know, for instance, I last season I talked to Robert Earl Keane and who also does a Christmas show, and there are people who are so attached to you know to uh, Merry Christmas from the family that mm-hmm. that's the, the the Robert Earl Keane show they see every year. Right. And and I wonder what it's like, you know, when you play a show. That is first off seasonal and has and it starts to become part of how people experience Christmas.
1: It, it's quite delightful, actually, if not a little bit disconcerting. Um, people come up to you after the show and say lovely, inspired things because they're caught up in a moment. They're still kind of riding that adrenaline and that good feeling that you hope everybody is feeling. But then when they come up to you in like May. And ask you if you're doing the Christmas show and you're out, you know, doing your, you know, you're picking up your dry cleaning or, you know, getting groceries and your mind is not at all in that space. But they see you and suddenly it's Christmas, damn it. And they need to talk to you about what you're doing in December and you've got no idea. Um, it, It catches you off guard that they attach you to their Christmas traditions so much that it doesn't matter when they see you, they see you. And suddenly that's what they think of. So, um, yeah, it's, uh, I, I find it, I find it really lovely and personal and I feel honored to be attached to something that, that people hold so close to what's important to their families. It's it's a real intimate thing. You know, it's as intimate as a birth or a death, the way you celebrate these moments with your family and the people that are important to you. It's, it's something singular. Every family does it, but every family does it slightly differently. And the fact that anybody would choose to do it with us, I find bizarre and wonderful. And, um, I I take it very personally in the best way.
0: Oh, that's great. One thing I, you know, I've, Talk to them about, you know, about this from their side, about the sort of the question what we just talked about, about how it feels as somebody you'll attach, you know, their Christmas traditions to you and your show. But I also wonder how does it from the performer side feel knowing that you have this thing coming up. And the thing now, and a thing that people starting in the summer, they already are looking forward to or expect you to do, you know how you know how do you you know as the perform on the performing side deal with this thing coming or maybe coming
1: it's uh i i i really love christmas i really i personally attach a lot of um a lot of my own expectations to it i think that the idea of christmas allows for so much positive possibility among just among people in their everyday lives that it gives us the possibility of being the best version of ourselves for each other, just for the sake of being a better version of ourselves without any real strings attached and that you can feel really conspicuous trying to do that unless you know everybody else is trying to, then it doesn't feel like there's such a microscope on you. So everybody's trying a little harder and being a little kinder and, being a little more open and when you expose that underbelly you don't feel quite as vulnerable if everybody else is doing it too. So for me Christmas has a lot of those expectations but to put on top of that the idea that you're adding a level of elevation and some sort of gravitas by taking your Christmas expectations and putting them out on display for people and then involving other people and telling them what to do with their Christmas expectations and then putting lights on them and then charging admission for people to look at them. It's, uh, it's a great deal of expectation. And um, because Christmas is so important to me and because it's one of the few things in my life and in the world that I'm not cynical about, ah, ah, I ah, really ah. have to treat it with kid gloves and um, lest it become one of those things that I have to become cynical about in order to deal with it. I don't want it to be that way. Right. So um, I have to treat it carefully and remember that the point is to be the better version of myself. So as not to be quick to be frustrated or quick to be... um, I don't know. It's a lot of pressure. Yeah. It's a lot of pressure, isn't it? Yeah. Um, this is the strange life we've chosen for ourselves where we put ourselves in front of a room full of strangers and insist that everyone look at us, look at me, look at me, look at me. Um, so you don't want to make a mistake and ruin everybody's Christmas tradition. It's a lot of pressure. Um, so I have to remind myself that being the best version of myself is the point. And, um, and I think that if I keep that at the center of what we're doing, that it'll always be okay. Yeah. I have to trust that that will always be what keeps the ship upright.
0: Yeah. Uh, I'll tell you, part of the reason I, I asked the question is because that for the last last at least 10 years that I've organized a Uptown Christmas pub crawl, mm-hmm. which isn't truly a pub crawl, but literally I get about 20 or so people, usually about seven or eight of which I actually know, <laughs> and that we meet up and end up sort of going in, uh, caroling down Magazine Street and bum-rushing restaurants and businesses and walk in, sing people a song. Like you do. Yeah, and, and it's it has become a thing that we've had so many people who've done it, love it. And, and, and it really has become like a, such a part of our Christmas. Mm-hmm. And in some ways it is as joyous as an experience as anything else that happens during the Christmas season. Uh Because it, it has never been the same thing twice, even mm-hmm. though we do the same thing every time. Right, And that uh, we've had, Different highlights, different moments along the way that end up knocking us out. Right. Uh, different, like you know, moments that are, end up being hysterical, and so. But it always ends up that all that this sort of spontaneous moment that's always a surprise that anybody shows up besides the seven or eight people we know, right? And then, and it becomes a, it's always this thing that kind of, for me, for my wife, like. So much of what we value about Christmas shows up in that moment, that mm-hmm. the sense of community, uh, the sense of openness and honesty, the sort of sense of sharing that people, we go in. I, I go in first because I'm the first person, because I, I will do it. Right. And I've got. Because and somebody I, has to go somebody first. Somebody has to be first. Unfortunately, that means I will usually set the key in an unsingable key <laughs> and everybody else follows me in trying to figure out how to, how to drop it, how to sing an L or something right. like that. And, um, but at the same time, it's still, but everybody, everybody goes along right. and, and, and it beca- it's part of the adventure. And, and so, so much that, that I enjoy about Christmas and so much of what, so much of what I enjoy about people all show up in that event but it's a little bit different because I don't make my living as a singer. And so mm-hmm. in some ways that there's a whole, there's a whole level of accuracy that no one expects from me. Right. Um, well, you're on that's the, it. you do your show and these are songs that, that you've recorded. So people can a B the live version to the recorded version and that there's a whole level of sort of doing it right that I would imagine is sort of, uh, at least in the concern somewhere. And I wonder how balancing the idea that it's a show, how it how it fits with just being in the moment and enjoying this moment of sort of community with the other musicians and your audience.
1: Well, the good news is that a lot of these recordings were done so long ago that we're almost not even referencing them anymore. Um, but they're also pretty simple songs. I mean, Christmas, Christmas songs with the exception of... The classical canon, none of the songs are over three and a half minutes long. They're, they're, they're pop tunes. I mean, God bless us, they're all pop songs. Um, half of them were written by Irving Berlin. Um, so they're not difficult tunes, and the fact that they're recorded actually makes them easier to rehearse. And I'm lucky that I, rec- I work with and surround myself with musicians that I really trust that. um, I have a musical shorthand with, I mean, Josh Paxton, I've been working with for two decades. And and he he looks at me and can tell by the way I draw a breath how I'm going to put the next phrase out. Alex McMurray and I have a shorthand that you know, I can, I can smile at him and he knows how the song is, how I'm going to count the tempo. Like we, we read each other's minds. Andre is incredibly intuitive. Um, he's one of the most musical drummers on the planet. It's my pleasure to play music with him. And I get to sing with these wonderful singers who, you know, Susan Cousel. I mean, we don't even have to, hear the other one's voice to know where the parts are going to land. It's mad cow seal disease harmonizing with <laughs> uh, Susan. Uh, uh, yeah, uh, that's that's actually what it is. Uh, 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 we figured uh, it out. Uh. Um, so I, the the pressure to do it right with the right people isn't really pressure. Right. We, um, I'm very lucky I get to play with these great people. But part of what I love about doing this show and part of what I love about Christmas in general is that And I think what people find so appealing and comforting about it is that it is new but familiar every single time that you are searching for and finding something you know and know well, know enough that it brings you a great deal of comfort, but it also has this element of discovery that as you open the wrapping paper and tear the box open, you really have no idea what's inside And that feeling of discovery that (gasps) is what keeps you coming back, is what makes your eyes open wide when you see the tree on Christmas morning. Even though it's the same tree that was there when you went to bed the night before, it looks different. It feels new, even though it's the same holiday, even though it's the same songs. So it's the discovering something old, the new the comforting of something new. It's the the dichotomy of what keeps us coming back.
0: Tell you what I want to do. Let's get to actually some music here. Okay. And since you just talked about harmonizing with Susan, uh, we will. Let's go to uh, y'all recorded a version of uh, "Little Drummer Boy" and
1: yeah, drum, "Little Drummer Boy," "Peace on Earth." This was a. Uh, a duet that uh, Bing Crosby and David Bowie recorded in 1977. They recorded it in September of 77, and it was just supposed to be Little Drummer Boy. Bowie showed up to the soundstage, and they told him the song, and he said, I hate this song. I want to do this. uh, uh. And they didn't know what they were going to do. And so Bing Crosby's music writer said, give us 20 minutes, and they went in the back room and wrote a counterpoint. And came back out and taught it to him and that's what saved it. Oh wow. That piece on Earth Counterpoint was written for David Bowie on the fly. Wow. On like on set basically. Right. And they recorded it, I think it was two takes on set, and it aired in I want to say the first week of December in seventy seven. Bing Crosby died in between. Right. The recording of it and the airing. He never got to see it air.
0: Wow. Well, let's hear your version and then we'll talk about it a little more. Okay. You know, one thing I've thought about a number of times when I listen to you and Susan sing is uh, about singing harmony.
2: Yeah.
0: Because as somebody, I I, as somebody who doesn't sing well, (laughs) somebody who sings with energy but not necessarily precision, okay. That singing harmony seems like magic to me. Like I, I don't even, I can't imagine how you do it. Um, Like I understand it theoretically. But my imagination, maybe because of the way I think, I can't imagine doing, the thing, doing those things. Um,
1: I mean, I could give you an explanation of the... There's a math explanation and there's a music explanation. If I had a piano in front of me, I could show you how it lays out and why it makes sense, but the actual doing of it physically is a lot closer to magic than any mathematical... Um, explanation, it's, um, and when you, when you actually do it with your body, it physically, um, it feels so right, you know, when it's happening. And especially with certain, with certain people singing harmony, it, the, the feeling of doing it with people whose instruments vibrate with yours the right way, with people like Susan, um, with people like uh, Lee Harris, the three of us used to sing together a lot, and that was pure magic. There's no other word I would use to describe it.
0: Yeah, it it always struck me as like, as a, you know, sort of from the outside, as a really kind of profound level of communication.
1: Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And um, where the, where the, um, where the, it's definitely greater than the sum of its parts. Do you know what I mean? Like there's, there's so much more in the combination than there is individually. And it, uh, yeah, it's a lot closer to alchemy than I think anybody gives it credit for being because it's three independent sounds, three voices, three sounds, but they combine and then it's not three anything anymore. It's one much larger thing.
0: Right. You know, the other thing I think about when I hear it and I've, and I, and, I, and I went and watching, and like watching you and Susan sing together, is it's also very clear there's a playful element to it as well.
2: <laughs> Especially
1: when it's me and Susan. If we can keep from giggling, it, that's the biggest barrier. That's if, yeah. it, it took, and it took years for us to not crack each other up on stage. Right. Once we got to know each other, the level of familiarity got to where it was okay. And we had the, the familiarity where the singing got to the level where it was great, then the playfulness got to the point where it was uh, disruptive, might be the word I would use. Ask Paul Sanchez about that sometimes. He's had to separate us more Ah, than ah, once. ah, ah.
0: I remember at one point, I think I remember Susan talking about just sort of like, you know, working on a song or singing with you, and then hearing the next harmony she wanted would would want to layer on top of that one. And mm-hmm. oh, and here's a, here's another one. And yeah, but well, she this... did this
1: on this track, right? She went back and back and back and back uh, on the bridge. Uh, uh, yeah, uh, you can hear. There's a third. There's one that comes in, and actually, Matt listened to the roughs the day we did that, and uh, he's like, "So, how many extra harmonies did Susan lay on it?" I was like, "Just listen." He goes, oh wow, that's pretty contained. Oh wait, there it is. Like yeah. he could hear uh, them coming uh, in uh, and coming uh, uh, in. Yeah, just when you think it's done, it's not done. There's right. another one.
0: But but I'd imagine that's the way it is with all songs. That if you had, yeah, that if you had, if you had time, money, that you could tweak a song forever.
1: Oh yeah, I mean, like I said, when they're when the people are right and when the song is right and when the voices are right you don't want to stop it's not it's not right to stop right I, we did a Susan and I recorded on a uh, Christmas record that the Threadheads did a few years ago um, this big collaborative thing and there was one day that the whole day was spent in Susan's house her living room was all tricked out with sound equipment and one day was devoted to doing background vocals on all the songs and it was one of the happiest days I've spent in my entire life, just hanging out, drinking La Croix and eating snacks and singing background harmonies with Susan Cousill on Christmas songs all day. If I had walked out on the porch at the end of that day and been stricken dead by a bolt of lightning, that would have been cool. Life well lived. Everything's done. Best day ever. Bam. Uh, over. Uh, fine. But it just, hey, you, did you hear that? Yeah, let's do that one. Okay, let's do one more. Okay, no, wait, let's do two more. Okay, and then we'll do this, and then we'll come in like a round, and then I'll do this, and you come in two beats after, and then we'll, okay, 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 okay. <laughs> I mean, once it starts, it doesn't stop. Yeah. And it's great that it doesn't stop.
0: But imagine, that that's, that has to be where sort of the musician and you has to eventually say, we're good.
1: But somebody else has to say that, because we're never, <laughs> we're, you need somebody else to tell you when you're done. Right. Like, even artists. You know, they'll sit there with a paint on paint on canvas and they won't stop. They need somebody to say, Step back. You're going to fuck it up if you put any more paint on that thing. Right. Step back. You're done. No, it doesn't need, you know, I mean, Fleetwood Mac, what did they mix rumors five times? Yeah, exactly. I mean, that's a lot of cocaine also, but ah, still, ah, somebody ah, needed to go, Nope, that's done. It sounds great. Perfect. Move away. Yeah. So, yeah, somebody needs to tell Susan and me not to sing anymore. Got it. But, you know, they need it watch it because they might be wrong
0: right exactly <laughs> well that's and that's, that's got to be the thing is you know there's one more out there and the next one is going to be
1: the perfect one yeah and I'm so glad she's on the show this year and she's in Disney World right now I'm kind of jealous but she'll be back in time for the show cool and we're doing a we're doing a she's, she's doing a new song for the show this year which I'm really excited about yay I can't divulge it here because there have to be some surprises under the tree
0: exactly right so, Taylor, I want to go, skip to another song here okay. from the album because it's one I, I realized I wanted to talk to you about uh, for a while, and that is Baby It's Cold Outside.
2: Uh-huh. So, yeah. Taylor, let's,
0: let's hear part of it. This is you and Alex McMurray. Yes. We'll, we'll play some of it first, and then we will talk. Here we go. Mm-hmm.
2: It's cold outside. I gotta go away. But baby, it's cold outside. This evening has been, been hoping been that you drop in. So very nice. I'll hold it's your so... hand. They're just like My ice. mother will start to Beautiful, worry. what's your My hurry? father will be pacing the floor Listen to that fireplace So walk. really I better scurry Beautiful, please, what's your Or well, maybe hurry? just a half a drink more Put some records on while I am The pull. neighbors might think Baby, it's bad out there. Say what's in this there drink There ain't no cabs nowhere I wish I knew Her Eyes are like stars. To right break this yeah, right. I ought to say no, no. Mind no, if I'm sir. moving a little bit closer? At least I'm gonna say that I well, tried. Well, what's the sense in hurting? I right? really can't stay. Baby, don't hold out. Oh, but it's cold, cold outside.
0: So, tell me about recording that.
1: Well. <laughs> Alex is about as close as I've got to a big brother on this planet. So obviously all of this is very silly for the two of us. Uh, uh, th- we recorded this in the afternoon at Tim Stanbaugh's place in, uh, what year was this? I can't even remember what year we recorded this in. I want to say 2007 or 8, something like that. Um, Everything with Alex is very playful right. and very lovely. Yeah. He's not nearly as curmudgeonly as he would have you believe. Right. Um, and I this song has gotten a lot of flack, which I understand, we're we're, we're living in a difficult time uh, where flirting is concerned. It's a it's a hard thing to do without being understood, misunderstood too. Um Although I know too much about this song to take it that seriously. Right. It was written by Frank Lesser. He used to perform it at parties with his wife. It was what they would do at the end of parties that they would throw. They would do this song. At at parties, people would entertain themselves by playing songs at the piano. Frank Lesser and his wife would perform this song at the end of parties that they were throwing to let people know it was time to go home. Ah,
0: ah,
1: ah, ah, they would put ah. on a pot of coffee. They would close up the bar, and then they would play this song to let their guests know that the party was over. So I never read much into this because I'm a gigantic nerd and I didn't, you know, look past what I knew to be the origin history of this song. However, she does protest and he doesn't relent. However, I, you know, growing up as I did as a girl in the 90s who was told to say no even when she didn't necessarily mean no. you got to say no a minute, even if you mean yes. It was stupid. The provincial attitudes that girls have to pretend they don't want what they want.
0: Yeah, that was... It's one of those things I've kind of have... In general, I couldn't kind of find my way into this conversation because, first off, it's not my conversation. It's it's not first my conversation. Okay. But it is. But I also realized, like, I'm... You know, on one hand, you know, I understand anybody being concerned by it. Yeah. Um,
1: well, taken at face value, literally, yes. It's a frighteningly confrontational song. Yep. If she is literally saying she doesn't want to stay and he's saying that she has to. Right. But that's not what she's saying. Right. It's feeble protestations under the guise that all these people say she can't stay. But it's called Outside. Well, it's dumb. It's cold outside. Of course, you can go home if it's cold. That's stupid. Right. That's the dumbest reason you could possibly have come up with, yet it's the one you keep coming back to. Yeah. Well, it's a feeble excuse, yet it's the only one that you seem to hang your hat on, and you're going to stay. Right. It must be because you want to stay. Yeah. So, it's okay to want to stay. You want to, you know, make some time with this guy, and you can't say so because you're a girl, and girls don't want to Girls don't have needs. Girls don't have wants. Girls don't have burning loins or whatever. Right. So they have to come up with other excuses. Like it's too cold to go home. Right. Yeah,
0: I remember that uh, there was a good article that I will try to see if I can re uh, where it basically it was a defense of the song along those lines, saying that in context in the uh, in the 50s, Yeah that for a woman that a woman a woman to own her desire would have been would have been out of step with the time and would, and so to some extent that her the contention of the piece was is that essentially that this was a way to say a way for her to say oh no when she wanted to go when she wanted she to wants go to stay, but yes. she
1: knows she can't because of these provincial attitudes. Right, and everyone's waiting for her to come home. Well, what excuse will fly when she doesn't come home? Right, I wanted to get laid. No, yeah, it was too cold and I couldn't. Well, that sounds at least reasonable. It was cold outside. Right.
0: Yeah, yeah. I, I've i i I'd, I'd had i'd had a drink too many, so i needed to I needed to wait before I came home. Well, you
1: shouldn't have had something to drink. What were you thinking about? That's right. That's so, irresponsible.
0: That's right. So he'll
1: get the wrong idea. No, he'll get the right idea. I got yeah. drunk and wanted to get some. <laughs> was, I, no, 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 no. That's not what you wanted. Yes, it is what I wanted. Yeah. Yeah. So unfortunately, we th- we have been living in an era where no meant yes for so long that when no meant no, it was too late. Yeah. Merry Christmas. Exactly. <laughs>
0: oh man. Yeah, I. Did you see that uh, John Legend wrote new lyrics? Oh
1: yeah, uh, yeah. That's I. Th- I think I think it was bound to happen.
0: Yeah, I. I have to say, I think it were anyone but John, but John Legend, I would probably be. I probably would be hostile to it. As is, I'm I,
1: glad he's kind of adorable. Yeah, if it had been somebody else, like Kanye, would have done it, and then I would have had to burn something to the ground. And yeah,
0: uh, yeah I just that now I, it
1: won't get done by somebody offensive,
0: right? I, I, you know, his lyrics won't won't be the lyrics. Yeah, and it's, his version won't be the one I go to. But I don't, you know, I, I don't bristle when I hear it either. I'm not against it. I'm it just, will
1: discourage somebody worse from doing it.
0: Yes, that's that's true.
1: So. I th- yeah, I think it's a best case scenario. Thank you, John Legend, for being a best case scenario yeah, exactly. and what was bound to happen.
0: So another one I want to go to here because it's kind of we've I've actually been through it a few times uh, on this uh, on the podcast in the last season. has been uh, Christmas time is here. Oh yeah, because I, as I said, I talked to the ornaments about about the song earlier this year.
1: Yeah, well they do the whole Vince Guaraldi record. Yes, which is amazing. Right.
0: And uh,
1: we use Linus and Lucy as our intermission music.
0: Oh, very to cool!
1: Bring back to bring the show back after intermission. We use Linus and Lucy.
0: Oh, that's great! Yeah. So tell you what, let's hear your version of Christmas time is here, and then we'll talk a little bit about that.
2: Okay. Christmas time. children
0: That's a very sort of intimate vocal. I really appreciate that. Thank you. Why was that? uh, Why did that seem like the way to go forward in that song?
1: Uh, Well, the original version is a children's choir and the Vince Guaraldi Trio, Um, and the jazz trio thing is very intimate. But the children's choir seems kind of expansive but innocent. Children's voices, obviously. it, it, it begs a larger space. It sonically spreads things out a little bit, which is lovely, but I think um, the lyrical content begs you closer. And um, it seems innocent and simplistic, but it's very, it's, it's a deep list of these little trappings that, Individually, seem like they don't mean much, but they uh, together suddenly are very evocative of Christmas. And uh, as it leads you through the list, it's these—it's snow, it's it's weather, it's just these little things, and then suddenly it's it's feelings and it's families and then it's wishing that it was always this way and knowing that it's not. And then suddenly it's right at the heart of the matter. It starts with these, with snow and things that are just kind of there and then it's suddenly right in the center. So it's, it's a deceptively intimate song.
0: Yeah, it's interesting that I, I, I was thinking when I heard it that I don't know anybody who's found a way to make it bigger. I found don't, people I don't think
1: you should try. Yeah. It's so it 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 it's whisper close by the end. Right. Oh, if we could only see such spirit through the year. Yeah.
0: But people have but but you shouldn't try, but that doesn't mean people don't. Oh, <laughs> yeah.
1: I'm sure Mannheim Steamroller has taken yes. a crack at it.
0: Exactly. So, yeah, I was uh anyway, but that did strike me as interesting that it's that that level of intimacy is just clearly hardwired into that song. Yeah. Um there is a version that I will link to uh, also in the show notes. That is uh, by a, a group called Lowland Hum, oh, and idea. it's a duo from um, oh, a duo from I think West Virginia. And I'm I gotta go back and refine, but I I'd simply I'd found their version of it, and they're actually they kind of make quiet music their thing, and it is all it's you know that their own music borders on sort of ambient folk and they figured out, just made it, you know, it is, it is so such a private version. It is one guitar and the woman's voice and it's really beautiful, but it almost sounds like it's being whispered to you. It is, uh, it's that intimate. So when you're, when you're performing, Mm -hmm. Is, is it hard to connect to that kind of intimacy when you know first off that it's, you know, not just other musicians on the stage, but people in the room. And so you're not, you know, this isn't an intimate moment. Or, or at least it's not, at least in terms of the people there, you know, just, you, you, you are you're in this space with people who you do and don't know.
1: Well, it's, it's funny because I spend most of my, most of my work time And by work time, I don't just mean like time on stage. I mean like my work hours at the computer, doing work during the day, um, doing online booking, doing press stuff, doing podcasts, doing all this stuff leading up to the show. Um, I'm kind of a one-man operation doing ticket sales and doing... um, press junkets and all that. So I have a pretty good idea of who's coming to the show and what our numbers are going in and what's been going on at front of house leading up to opening the doors. And so by the time I get up there, I almost even know who is sitting in what seats. And it's like a very large version of my own living room. So It may be a large number of people, but it's, for me, it's still very intimate. And I've actually had to add and change things from the set list based on who I know is going to be in the audience. Um, At the last minute, I'll, you know, I'm going to print up the programs and I'll go, oh, well, wait a minute. I just found out that so-and-so is not going to be in the audience. Well, then maybe I shouldn't. Add that song, or maybe I should, since they're she's coming in from out of town. We'll say we definitely should do that. Ah, Well, I'll just ah, add that ah, in there. ah, No, but ah. she has to be. She has to see it. She has to see that. Now that she's going to be there, we have to do that song. Um, It's all very personal for me. Um, It's I I know that it's part of other people's tradition, but it's part of my tradition too. And it's a it's a I don't want to say. I don't feel like it's a selfish tradition for me, but it's definitely part of how I how I clear my how I clear my karmic conscience um, and make sure that everybody knows that I'm still trying to fight the good fight, right. You don't always know who, especially, God, the last three years have been hard, haven't they?
0: Yes. (laughs) Um,
1: (laughs) Might be the understatement of the century, but the last three years have been really hard. And um, I think a lot of people are running scared. And so for the last three years especially, it's been really important to me to put this show on and remind people that... We're all still here. And that kindness is still the fight to be fighting. So as big as the show seems, it's still really person to person for me.
0: Right. So your choice for last song here Mm -hmm. is there are much worse... There are much much
1: worse things to believe in.
0: Now... Now, I don't know this song.
1: This song was written by a guy named Adam Schlesinger, who is a New Jersey native like me, yo. Uh, He had a band for a while called Fountains of Wayne. And he wrote this song for the Stephen Colbert Christmas special, which I think came out in 2010, 2009, somewhere around there. Uh, And this was sung as a duet by Stephen Colbert and Elvis Costello. Um, I recorded it, it's just me and ukulele on the record, and it almost didn't make it on the record. I loved this song so much, um, and I wasn't sure if I was going to be able to get it together in time to record it. It has turned into, hands down, the song I get asked about the most, the song that gets requested the most, and it is... um, the song that has been consistently in the show from the beginning. There have been songs that have come in and out of the show. This is, this is one song that has been consistently in the show from this, from the start and, um, will be in the show forever. Um, it debatably says everything I could and would want to say about Christmas and have never been able to verbalize myself. Um, so for all the people who are cynical about pretty much everything else in uh, their lives in, except Christmas, and no one can quite understand why, this is for y'all.
0: Okay, great. All right, Debbie, thank you very much. Thanks.
2: There are cynics, there are skeptics. There are legions of dispassionate dyspeptics Who regard this time of year as a maudlin, insincere Cheesy, crass, commercial travesty of all that we hold dear When they think that, well, I can hear it But I pity them their lack of Christmas spirit For in a world like ours so full of grieving There are much worse things to believe in A redeemer and a savior And a beast man giving toys for good behavior Our faith in what might be And the hope that we might see The answer to all sorrow in a box beneath a tree Call it foolish, sentimental Well, you're clearly none too bright, so I'll be gentle Don't even try to start vaguely conceiving. Of all the much worse things to believe in. Believe in the judgment. Believe in jihad. Believe in a thousand variations. Thanks
0: to God. Debbie for the time and the talk. Again, if you're in New Orleans, you can see her perform Oh Crap, It's Christmas on Sunday, December 15th at 7 p.m. at Café Istanbul. She'll have an army of special guests, including Susan Cowsill, Dana Kurtz, and Jonathan Predis of the Breton Sound who appeared on the pod earlier this year to talk about wonderful Christmas time? You can find Debbie on Facebook, where you can also find me at 12 Songs of Christmas. Please drop by with a comment. Also, if you haven't subscribed, I hope you'll do so through Apple, Google Play, Stitcher, or Spotify. Your subscription will make sure that you don't miss an episode and help others find out about the podcast. Thanks to AF the for our theme music, and thanks to you for listening. Earlier this season, I talked to Jimbo Mathis about the Squirrel Nut Zippers holiday recordings. Debbie and Matt recorded Hanging Up My Stocking from the Zippers Christmas Caravan, which is a song that Jimbo and I talk about during that episode. You can check out that conversation here, and we'll finish today with Debbie and Matt's version. This is Hanging Up My Stocking. Talk to you next week.
2: Silent night, the stars are bright The fields are white with snow Christmas trees are waiting Lights are turned down low Tinsel bells and tinsel Reflect the firelight's you Seem to whisper softly There's just one thing to do I'm hanging up my stockings Tonight is Christmas Eve Want to show old Santa Claus that I.